Hi, welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Engineering Heroes, a podcast that presents the incredible engineers that are shaping our society and battling our challenging issues. My name is Mel, my co-host and our podcast's resident engineer speaking to us from the trenches is Dom. Our podcast tells stories. There are stories all around us. As engineers, we're involved in some of the greatest creations known to society, but we often lose track of the reason we are creating it in the first place. It's not about the road, it's about the safety of those travelling it. It's not about the building, it's about the lives and experiences the people will have in them. Unfortunately, these stories are more often than not unheard, unspoken. And to some extent, they aren't ever really considered again after the initial need for the project has been designed and the concrete is dried. And it's these stories which highlight the life's work of an engineer. Our guest tonight received a Bachelor of Civil Engineering with Honours from Monash University. She's already worked with great engineering firms gaining experience in some of Australia's pivotal infrastructure projects. Joining us tonight is Meg Panozzo. Meg got into engineering because she loved maths and physics. I just was a very practical kind of person and that seemed to be a logical career choice, but now moving, you know, 10 years on from that first decision point, I start to see engineering more around um, what's the societal impact and what's the the people-orientated kind of aspect of everything that we're doing. So even though I started with maths as like the core origin point, I guess you could say, I now talk more in a much broader aspect around engineering and stuff we do. Did you know about engineering before you started thinking about becoming an engineer? Yes and no. So my mum designs houses for a living. So she runs her own little business designing houses and my dad's a maths and physics teacher. So engineering was always an idea that I knew existed, but it wasn't until I was probably 17 that I actually took it seriously as an idea. You're a civil engineer. What made you decide to get into civil engineering? So it started with uh, mum and dad built houses as kind of the way that they brought in extra income for themselves. So it was always around construction and um, designing of structures and things like that. So my initial thought was always I would just go do civil engineering and be a structural engineer and maybe one day following mum's footsteps. But as I went through the course and I was exposed to the whole breadth of engineering disciplines, I became really interested in more infrastructure and water and like water-sensitive urban design and the environmental side of things as well, not just structural engineering. Which is a massive, massive part of engineering these days, particularly in regards to water-sensitive urban design and yeah. with all the issues we have with drought. It's a fascinating area to be in. So what was the first project you worked on once you got out of uni? I grew up in Victoria and I studied at Monash University in uh, Victoria. Um, and then I started working with Cardinal in Melbourne in a small infrastructure team there. My first ever project that I worked with the team there was a small car park upgrade um, and that was I don't know the fee was maybe in the order of about two thousand dollars it was very <laughs> small <laughs> um, and then I've just found my way into the major infrastructure projects so now I'm working on multi-billion dollar projects which is 
very interesting. <laughs> Although those $2,000 jobs are always the hardest jobs I've found. They're always the most demanding, the ones that always seem to test you to, to sort of make yeah. everything fit. But um, yeah. So what, what sort of projects? They need some help on Sydney Light Rail, which was a major project um, at the time. Yeah. And so I was living in accommodation up in Sydney for about a year across when I was working on Sydney Light Rail and then I moved over to the Pacific Highway Upgrade because those projects are so huge, they need resources from all over the country, basically. So I kind of just stayed in Sydney. I've been here for four years. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, working on the big projects. Hmm. So what's the highlight that you've been on so far? What have you liked the most? I think definitely going up to the site, to the construction site for Pacific Highway. So um, it's currently under construction at the moment and I work as a design consultant to advise the site team. For during construction phase. So I go up to site and work face-to-face with a client and going for drives across the site and just seeing the huge cut-ins or the huge bridges or the interchanges as they're being built is just like this amazing feeling. So Which section? Whereabouts oh, is um, Pacific Highway? So I work on the Woogulga to Ballina. Oh, okay, yep. So, um, and then I work on 34 kilometres worth of that 155 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> My portion is just north of the Devil's Pulpit. Oh, okay. Wow, that's that's a huge road. That's a huge project yeah. that's going up with all the yeah. the sections that are going up and through. I actually know a few people who are on the the construction side. Um, yeah. So and yeah, that'll keep you busy for quite a while. I'd say. Yeah. What's <laughs> the timing of that? Um. So the program is due to be completed in 2020. Well, that's that's only next year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. well, it's not too long at all. Yes, it's been a very massive, it's a huge, I think it's Australia's largest mega project, basically. Oh, okay. Um, and so what is your exact role? Like, What's your role title on that one? I'm the design manager for the joint venture for Pacific Complete, who are our clients. So I'm the design manager for that team. But I also do the project management for it as well for Arab. So is that the kind of the planning out, this week we're doing that, this week we're doing this, things That's like right. that? Yeah. yeah, so basically like a problem will come up on site or something that they need advice for and then I will understand the problem, talk to the client, see what they need and then I'll go into our team and talk to like the road designers, the um, structural designers, uh, pavement engineer for instance and figure out a solution and then I'll take that solution back to the client. It's more management on a design from a design perspective rather than a project management commercial perspective. Okay. When we come back, Meg will really get into what worries her about the engineering industry. But first, I wanted to let you know a way you can learn more about our guest tonight. You see, Meg has a side hustle. She is more than just an awesome engineer. Meg has a blog called Her Bold Universe, where she shares her experiences and aims to help motivate and inspire other career-driven women. Her mission is to encourage others to become more confident and ambitious and to create their own bold universe. Go check Meg out at Her Bold Universe. There will be a link to it in our show notes at www.engineeringheroes.com.au forward slash S2E9. That's for Season 2, Episode 9, where we are today. 
Meg enjoyed her time at university and was happy floating along doing her thing. However, upon leaving university and entering the corporate world, Meg really started to feel how badly society needed gender diversity and that change needed to happen. So, being the bold explorer she is, Meg decided to take matters into her own hands. Yes, so I write a blog. It's called Her Bold Universe. And the reason I started that was because when I moved from uni and into the workforce, I realised just how badly we need more gender diversity in engineering. Um, I'd have conversations with women who would ask me what it's like being a female engineer and then I could just see all these self-imposed barriers and a lot of fear around what you can and can't do in a career. And it just kind of it broke my heart a little bit because for me, my personality is if I see something, I just go and if I want to do it, I just go do it. So I wanted to write and help other people to do that for themselves as well. Um, so that's where the blog came from. I find it interesting that you hadn't picked up on that at university and it was only when you started talking to people out in the <laughs> real life that you noticed that there was a real issue with this side of things. Yeah, it was, it was at uni, I felt like it was a bit of a bubble. So I knew that there was, obviously I knew that there weren't very many women in the industry, but you don't really see the impacts of it until you're in in the workforce, I think. And the workforce is so different to academia as well um, in the way that success is measured and the way um, community and culture is built in the workforce is so different to university that it just hit me when I left uni. So that was another reason as well why I thought it was really important to start to put my voice out there and talk and write about all of these topics because um, basically gender diversity in engineering is getting worse as time goes on, which is pretty horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, yeah. we were talking to uh, an engineer recently, uh, Prussia, and she talks about the leaky pipe in engineering. Yeah. How, you know, the numbers are pretty dismal to start with, but mm-hmm. they get worse as you go along the career path because you just have a lot of, a lot of dropouts. Like yeah, drop offs. You have a lot of drop offs. Yeah, that's that's right. There's attrition out of the out of every part of the career pipeline, yeah. um, which is why things like school outreach in isolation won't necessarily work. I think we need to look across the entire pipeline um, and also target initiatives as well, so that it's well, what what is the reason for the dropout rates at a particular time in, in a female's career and because like yeah. as a career, it sounds like it's a career you love. So it's not a, it's not as though going into engineering, you sort of get in into it and then go, why do I, why have I done this? And I suppose that's the really hard part as well. That sort of getting the word out there that it is such an enjoyable career mm-hmm. that yeah. you can then get more people into it, and particularly yeah. to increase that diversity, so that the females don't shy away from it, thinking. Ah, uh, you know, once I get in there, it's it's not going to be enjoyable, so I just won't bother in the first place. That's exactly right, and I I, I don't think that engineers and the engineering industry tells our story well enough. I don't think we talk about the impact that we have on society and the impact we have on people in a way that really inspires other people. So, I like to think about, for instance, a bridge. How that bridge is there to connect people and connect communities, whereas we may have once upon a time thought about just the calculations and the difficult maths and the challenging technical problems that we solved to build that bridge. But the, at the end of the day, the purpose of the bridge is to help people. So 
if we talk about our engineering work more from the idea of purpose, I think that we'll have a better chance of bringing more talent into the industry, not just men, not just women, sorry, um, but men as well, because we basically we need more people in engineering. More people full stop. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think we're bad that we don't take pride in our work. Not that we don't think that we do an, an awesome job. It's just yeah. that we really probably should be kind of, beating our chests a little bit more in relation to the things that we have done to rather than just sort of going, oh, yeah, you know. It's it's that humble, self-deprecating kind of personality of the engineer that's like, come on, look what you've done. That's exactly right, yeah. It's it's interesting because uh, you can't can't get an engineer to shut up in front of their family. (laughs) What are you saying, Mel? <laughs> oh, the kids know exactly what you've built. So you're like, oh, daddy built that one. And it's like, yeah. So, and there, there's very much a case of there is a sense of pride that I feel from all our conversations that engineers do have. Yeah. But as what Don was saying, it's like they, they, or as you were saying, the story, they're not, they're not telling the story. They, they yeah. tell a story to their, you know, their poor spouses and children and say, yes, I built this grand castle or whatever it was but yeah so it's interesting can you tell us a bit more about the whole side of the stories that you're talking about how Mm. how how is that uh how can we fix that Mm. I think um oh like I I'm never going to pretend that I have all of the answers to these things because I actually think it's a industry-wide issue that we need to have everybody on board with addressing if we want to make some real change here. But I think if we just start to encourage stories, like these kind of podcasts are just brilliant because, you know, it's making this kind of information so much more accessible to everybody to start to think about the work they're doing a little bit of a different light. If every time I speak to somebody about, well, what's the real purpose behind this work you're doing and you can kind of see a little bit of a light bulb go off, that's really inspiring to see that. So if we can just get that happening across organizations and in projects and and like everywhere I think we'll be on the right track I like that what is the real purpose of that so you're talking about how you were building you're building the Pacific Highway you're upgrading that a bit Mm. but in a way you you know why are you upgrading it and Mm. you're making safer for people so they can get from A to B in a safer way and less accidents so that's in a way that's the story that's exactly right, yeah. So the intent for the highway is that it will save lives. And is your uh, blog very much aligned to that? I have had have got some posts on there about diversity and women in engineering and things, but it's more geared around um, career and self-development advice, um, a bro- broader than just engineering, I think, because um, for me the future of work, not just engineering, is around self-development, self-education and the ability to connect people. So if we can learn self-awareness and learn how to develop ourselves and pursue careers of passion and purpose, I think that we'll be in a very good place for being relevant in the future of work. So we've jumped straight to the solution because the stories are very much the solution of how we're going to encourage more people into the industry. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Are you seeing other people presenting stories in this way? Is this a, a, a communication piece? I think that there are so the pretenders, for example, are a duo of the two guys who are engineers uh, based in Queensland, and they have a podcast dedicated to helping students and young professionals through 
um, the career transitions in engineering and their goal is to also create community and tell stories. So I think they're using LinkedIn as well as a great platform to connect and engage with people. So if we can harness social media to keep telling stories, I think that that will be a great starting point. Um, And I'm hoping that more podcasts and more blogs and more books and um, conversations like this will start to appear as we see more of it. Yeah, I'm hoping as well, because I know that I'm a bit of a junkie when it comes to things like um, the um, the seven engineering wonders of the world and those sorts of programs where they're things that you see on a daily basis, but you and you know they they look great and they're wonderful and they're practical and what have you, but it's not until you actually really assess them that you take a a step back and and then realise what went into to creating it. I think the more of those things that we can sort of do, and I know that's the sort of stuff that um, Rob Bell's doing as well with the, yeah. the work that he's been doing. Because I, I wanted to know, what's the future going to be like? What is this? So there's a lot of mass communication. Mm-hmm. You know, we've mentioned you know, podcasts and blogs and social media. How do you see the future coming about? For engineering? Yes. I think it's all about people. So the podcasts and the blogs um, and all of and the social media – if you take that one layer deeper, that's all people connecting to people. Um, I think our engineering teams are people working together to solve people problems. So if we can truly learn how to connect to each other, which I think we do, but I think if we really harness the power of connection, um, we'll be able to move through the digital transformation in a way that means that we can work with all of the automation that we're seeing and the digital transformation that we're seeing, but also using our human strengths as well to build better worlds. We almost need we need engineers taking a step back from doing their day to day engineering and working on engineering as a whole, I suppose. The engineers, engineering, engineering. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like redefining what engineering might be a little bit to mm. um, using technical skills to be able to solve people centered problems. Yeah. In a way. Because I think it, it is and it's come up a few times with the people we've spoken to that it's very much those soft skills that are going to be the most important asset that you have um, going forward as well in the industry. So mm. it's it's not just about the formulas anymore. It's about the, the interaction of, of the clients and the, the engineers and the end users and you know what it is that we're really trying to achieve. Yeah, definitely. And understand, again, understanding the purpose of what you're trying to build because yeah. everything will be all interconnected mm-hmm. as well. We, we're seeing roads that will be connected into city planning and things like that. So understanding why you're doing what you're doing will create better products and create better solutions for people. What would you be saying to engineers who are just starting out? So I think for me... a big one is to stay curious so always be curious yeah and learn how to learn so I used to think that when I was studying and at school and uni that when I finished that then I would never be learning again and that's like the biggest (laughs) every single day I'm learning now and when I can learn effectively I make everything better for myself um and it's just so much more interesting when you're curious I think um, and the other thing is to always be a mentor and always to have a mentor. So mm. I think mentoring is hugely important. Yeah. It's, so um, no matter how old you are, you can always be a mentor. Even if you feel like you're one day out of uni, you can be a mentor to a student. And because I know that uh, 
I had mentors, but I didn't. There wasn't really ever a mentor, you know, mentee relationship. Um, and then you never. I, I never really. There was, but it wasn't until you get through uh, further through your career and you sort of take a step back and go, "Wow, they really like it." I did, I'm amazed at how much I learned. And there's a couple of people that I could rattle off who just taught me different things, but taught me so much that um, it really got got me where I was today. And um, yeah. I. You know, I would never have gotten here without them, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. But I like what you were saying. It's it's not just about having a mentor. It's also being a mentor. Mm-hmm. I imagine you, you learn something more about yourself by the act of passing on your knowledge. Yeah. As well. I think, I think it's the act of teaching you learn more. Yeah. But then I also feel this kind of almost duty, but I think it's very important that as you learn and grow and and um, challenge yourself that what you learn you pass on to someone else so you're always walking with a hand behind you to help people coming up behind you so um, I think that we should just all be looking to help each other yeah because the scary part is if we don't the knowledge dies too like it just it disappears from that knowledge that's there it's gone forever and um, it's hard because you, you're trying to get people to impart that knowledge there's, there's a combination of trying to get that knowledge out and also then um, you know, having the people who can take on that knowledge as well. Okay. So, but it's, it's so important because even with when we, even when engineering evolves and there's new technology, you still need to know all those fundamentals and all that, that past history in order to sort of take that and then run with it. Yeah, definitely. Just to wrap up, is there a piece of engineering that impresses you? So I... <laughs> we'll have to go with the expected answer, I think. On um, I just I I love bridges. I just it no was problem com- with that. We uh, absolutely <laughs> completely <laughs> understand. I now understand. We we have a a t-shirt that I've done up recently of the fourth bridge, and just looking at that and getting it designed up, it's like this is a really beautiful bridge. They're, they're really beautiful structures, aren't they? Yeah. So I um, did the Sydney Blackmore's Half Marathon oh. on Monday and it crosses the bridge yeah. and I was yeah. like, run. It's, just <laughs> it's, just so, it's just amazing that they shut off the road and you can run across the bridge. So I was in my element. <laughs> it's a great bridge. To, yeah, the Harbour Bridge is an awesome one. We've got a T-shirt on that one as well, actually. <laughs> is there a standout bridge for you that uh, you like? Um. Oh. Well, I mean, I live in Sydney, so I love seeing the Sydney Harbour Bridge, obviously. But I could be a massive nerd and say that I would love to do a holiday around the world to go and see all the famous bridges. I was going to say that, like, if you could travel, and would you? Oh yeah, it's actually an engineering couple we've spoken to, and they totally got their engineering nerd on when they were travelling, and they went. I think they said they went to dams and aqueducts and bridges, and they just stopped at all the engineering curiosities around Europe. We should totally lean into that. Like, yeah, like, definitely. We should be proud of the stuff we do. Like, I think engineers have massive impact to society, so we should celebrate that a bit more, I think. Yeah, having a bridge tour. Mm. Yeah, it's always the thing that, I mean, we have a tendency to do it, obviously, because um, of my background and to dragging the kids along. But I love seeing all that sort of stuff, but just particularly like lighthouses and, um, mm. you know, mm. for the snowy hydro plant and whenever you you go somewhere if there's something that's around yeah we always sort of take a a bit of a trip we were, we did Warragamba Dam not too long ago and the kids loved it 
Like, oh, there you go. Really, really oh, loved it. I just thought of something that you need to add onto your list. It's it's like a half marathon, but you walk it. It's uh, in Sydney called the Seven Bridges Walk. Oh, and you actually exactly. walk 22 kilometers around Sydney and you cover seven bridges. So it's like the Harbour Bridge. The Anzac um, Bridge. Anzac, Ironco, Gladesville. Tarman Creek Bridge. Tarman Creek, yeah. Tarman, um, Tarman Creek. Yep. And then Roseville do you do, yeah, so there's other bridges. I get lost yeah. after that bit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's 22 k's and it's usually a really nice walk and you just see people. You can start anywhere along the track yeah. and you just do a big circle and you get like little passport stamps along the way. It's a really good uh, Sydney activity to do, I find. And if you like your bridges, there you yeah. go. Seven Ticks the box like one day. perfectly. <laughs> oh, that's added to the list. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And just to, to finish up, do you have an engineer that you admire? Oh, it's a tough one, actually. Um, I've got – so I work at Arup. And brilliant engineers there. There are so many brilliant engineers there um, that inspire me all of the time. Um, I've got the book by Peter Rice on my bookshelf called An Engineer Imagines. And I just – I haven't read it in full yet, but I find it really inspiring that these men who are brilliant can still – also think of the total design of the engineering that they're doing. So um, I'm looking forward to getting stuck to, stuck into his um, book and thinking about what I can imagine as well. That's excellent. So Peter Rice, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Are we going to hear a book about you if, from you one day? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope so too. I can just picture the stories, the bold universe, the book. Awesome. <laughs> there, oh, there's, there we go. I titled that. Yeah, it's already done. <laughs> well, you're, already, you're already there anyway. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for that. That was great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been heaps of fun talking to you. Yeah, I, just, I love hearing stories and I love hearing your story and, uh, yeah, how stories are going to change society. It's really I great. think so. I think so. Yeah. And thank you for tuning into Episode 9 of Engineering Heroes. If you want to know more about our podcast, your best port of call will always be our website. Visit www.engineeringheroes.com.au and take some time to check out what we have going on. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. If you really enjoyed our show, the best way to show your support is to go and tell someone. Seriously, it's that easy. Go tell people you know all about our podcast, Engineering Heroes. We look forward to you and your friends joining us next week when we bring you another interview with one of our engineering champions.